I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. The Beltway Blitz coming your way in just a minute here on Grant and Danny. We're going to cover the Capitals scheduled to be joined by Nick Dowd. The Nationals with our guy Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com and the Commanders with Ethan Cadeau of NBCSportsWashington.com all jammed into one segment, the teams you care the most about over these next 15 minutes right here on The Fan. We told you, though, we'd be giving away a four-pack of Capitals tickets to start the hour, so let's do that. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. That's 800-636-1067. Congrats, you'll win a four-pack of tickets to see the Caps. They're taking on the Sabres. This game's going to be Wednesday, March 15th. That is one week from today, 7 p.m., Capital One Arena in D.C., courtesy of Monumental Sports. Buy your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com, or you can visit thefandc.com for details. Big thanks to Toby for the update. You'll hear from him again at the bottom of the hour. But it is time right now to kick off the Blitz. I told you we'd have Mark on from MassInSports.com to talk about the Nats, so let's do just that. Uh, Mark, why don't we begin with a a primer for people who haven't been tracking spring training that closely yet. What do we need to know? What are some of the important details that have come out of camp? Uh, Honestly, guys, I think the most important thing is that there hasn't been a whole lot newsworthy, which is not a bad thing. It may be bad for us. There's not a lot to talk about, but there hasn't been a lot of news, which means there hasn't been a lot of negative developments. For the most part, they're healthy couple little things. Sean Doolittle still uh, coming back from his elbow injury. It looks like Victor Robles hurt his knee today, but it doesn't sound like it's anything that serious. Um, you know, above all else, their young pitchers appear to be healthy and getting ready for the season. I think that's probably the biggest thing for them this year. I don't know what that means, you know, in terms of being excited about them having a great season, anything like that. But uh, I think a quiet camp has actually been a good thing for them. I think there's plenty of fans who are kind of okay with the rebuild and some of the prospect movement. If some of these guys show well this year, you want to get something out of Gore and Cavalli, and you want to see Josiah Gray turn a corner. What is the chance that that one through three in the rotation can do that? Yeah, I think that's the story of the season above all else. If those three are relatively healthy and have their moments and, and you can see what they could be, in the long term, then this is a successful season, no matter what their record is. Um, I like what I've seen from Gore so far. Cavalli has only pitched in relief so far. He's going to finally make his first start tomorrow. A big matchup against Team Israel, so I think we're going to learn a lot about how good he can be facing that lineup for the World Baseball Classic. Maybe kidding there a little bit. Uh, (laughs) And uh, Josiah Gray, uh, you know, better mechanics so far. I mean, all the signs are good. Now, again, it's 
spring training, they haven't gone more than two, maybe three innings at this point, so you don't want to read a lot into it. But healthy, and yeah, I, I, I think the feeling around camp is that Mackenzie Gore especially, based on the success he had prior to the trade last year, this is a potential front-line, big-time left-handed starter. Um, everyone's really excited to see him. Cavalli, we know the hype there and the stuff. It's just a matter of can he get it consistently. And, you know, we just haven't seen it yet at the big league level. Just made one start and he got hurt. So we want to see that. And Josiah Gray, you see glimpses of it, obviously. Um, but he's got to get rid of the blow-ups and get rid of the home runs that cost him so much last year. So far, good signs as far as the mechanics goes. But, you know, we'll start to get a better sense as they – uh, you know, start throwing four, five, even six innings before the end of camp. Mark Zuckerman, MassInSports.com. As far as position players go, the guys we should be caring about, young and developing, C.J. Abrams stands out. I'm throwing K. Barrett Ruiz on that list. Am I missing anybody? Yeah, I think Luis Garcia is on the same list. I know he's been around a little longer. We, we have a sense of who he is, and the ceiling may not be as high for him, but they really do think he's going to be a big part of this. Obviously, Abrams, you know, shortstop of the future, um, we saw a glimpse of the dynamic talent he had last season. There's reason to believe that he's going to step up and have a real big year. Um, you know, we saw with Ruiz the potential there to be an all-around top-notch catcher. He wants to be better. He wants to be better at calling games. He wants to hit for more power, all those things. But I think Garcia, now that he's full-time at second base, can focus on that. He's much better there. He's motivated by Abrams uh, on the other side of the diamond from him as a double play partner. I think that makes Garcia better. And there's definitely some optimism that he can be a a better hitter than we've seen. We've seen him make contact well. I think they believe he can hit for more power. This is going to be a common theme, I think. You don't have anybody in the team that you can guarantee is going to hit 15, 20 homers this year, but there are a bunch of guys who have the potential if they can figure that part of their game out, and I think Garcia is on that list. Opening day is three weeks from tomorrow. Who's going to start on the mound? Yeah. Uh, I would love to know the answer to that. Uh, Davey has not tipped his hand quite yet on it. Um, my my hunch, and, and sorry to disappoint everyone when they hear this, is that it's probably Patrick Corbin, or I'd, I'd make him the front runner at the moment, just because of the experience, and you know maybe one to show a little bit of faith in the guy who obviously has been you know, really awful the last couple of years, but is still here for the next two years because of his contract. They don't believe he's their best pitcher. I mean, ultimately, Gore and Cavalli in particular are more important to them. But Gore has not made a start for the Nationals yet. Cavalli's made one big league start. Do you really want to throw that at them and say, okay, you're our number one guy opening day against the Braves. Go get him, kid. You know, I don't think they want to do that to them. So while it may not seem like it's that big a deal, start game one versus game two or three, um, I think Davey is trying to, going to try to protect those young guys a lot. And so I could see Corbin getting the nod, even if they're not trying to say within that, yes, he's still our number one pitcher. Clearly he's not. Quick one on Corbin. I see him going to the bullpen at some point this season and maybe either not being around at the end of the year or, you know, this offseason, like it, them just cutting ties and not actually seeing this thing through to, to year six. Do you think either of those takes are, are crazy? Well, what it requires is five other guys who are clearly better to start for them. And it shouldn't for that, be that have hard, help. but the problem is they don't have pitching. <laughs> they, they, don't, they, don't, yeah, they don't have pitching depth, and, and everybody's got to be healthy. So, yes, there's absolutely a scenario where that happens. And, um, you know, if he's, you know, let's say he looks good for a couple innings and then he starts getting lit up again, yeah, you can make the case, okay, let's just try him in the bullpen. Maybe he can be more effective there. But at the moment, 
innings are more valuable to them. And uh, like I said, they're not going to push these young guys beyond what they think they're ready for. So, you know, are you going to call up a Yoana Doan from AAA to start instead of Corbin? You can make the case that that's a better option for you long-term. I don't necessarily see them doing that. So if there is a point where he clearly is not better than the five guys they have that are healthy, then, yeah, I could see that. Mark, great info. Thank you. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks a lot, Grant. Massinsports.com is where you can find him. Nat Spring Training Talk presented by Main Street Bank, your local bank local. Put our team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. Uh, Let's talk football. To talk about the commanders, we've got Ethan Cadeau of NBCSportsWashington.com. Ethan, it was not a surprise. We actually knew before we knew any other player was getting tagged that the commanders were going to place the tag on Deron Payne. What happens now, do you think? I think he's either going to sign the tag or he's going to hold out. It's hard for me to imagine a long-term deal getting done at this point right now just based on the ownership and flux and everything else that's been going on. I think the team wants a long-term deal to happen, but the numbers I just don't think will work out right now. Maybe closer to that mid-July deadline, but I think the most likely scenario is he plays on the tag this year and walks in free agency next year. And then after that, I could see maybe a a tag and trade around draft time. But right now, I don't think a long-term deal is truly in the cards. How hard should they work at trying to trade him, do you think? It depends what they can get. I mean, if they can get another first-round pick at some point, I think you got to pull the trigger. I mean, you drafted Fedarian Mathis in the second round for this reason. I know he missed the entire rookie season because of an injury, but also Ridgeway played pretty well filling in. He was a fifth-round pick at Dallas last year that ended up coming to Washington in late September and played pretty admirably. So I think Deron Payne, obviously a great player, made his first Pro Bowl. I don't know if he's irreplaceable. And when you have to make a decision on Montez Sweat coming soon, eventually Chase Young, who knows if they're going to accept his option or not. I I just don't know if paying Payne more than what Allen's going to make makes sense in the long term. We're at a point of the offseason, a week away from the league year, where we're going to start to see these names trickle out being released to save teams a lot of money. Who could be at risk of being on the chopping block for the commanders? So I think the commanders already made their, I I think they call it what masker week this week is when the guys get cut. I mean, Bobby McCain, he was a guy I didn't really think was going to get cut and he got released last week. And then obviously the Carson Wentz, I I think they're done with those. I don't think there's going to be any more surprise cuts before free agency. I think that's also partially due to, I don't expect them to be a big, uh, a big spender in free agency either. So I'm expecting a lot of shorter one to two year deals they did a lot of that in 2020, if you remember. And I think that that type of flexibility will be the reason. They've already made their moves of who they want to get, get rid of before the new league year. So, honestly, I'd be surprised if there's any more big moves coming. Yeah, but what's the logic behind that? I mean, the NFC is wide open. The quarterbacks in this conference collectively are down from what they normally are. There's wiggle room to be had. You can actually make the playoffs, and you're competing against Derek Carr as as a starting quarterback in the playoffs. Why not really try to get aggressive here? No, I'm I'm with you. Just because I think their plan is going to be a bunch of shorter, smaller deals doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it. I would love for to see them go out and get Orlando Brown and spend big money and solidify left tackle. I mean, 
I like Charles Leno. He's a great dude, but I mean, he didn't play that great football last year. So I'd be all for them going out and signing some of the bigger names. I mean, they have $28 million more in cap space after letting go of Carson Wentz. So I'm for it. I agree with you. The NFC is wide open besides Philly, Dallas, and a few other teams. I'm not sure this conference is pretty strong. Aaron Rodgers could be leaving the conference too. The quarterback from AFC to NFC is already super imbalanced. And it's year four for Ron Rivera. He's got to make a push. I'm with you. I think they should go for it. I just don't believe they will is what it ultimately comes down to. Ethan, thank you, buddy. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. Let's talk some puck. And to do that, we got our guy Nick Dowd for his weekly appointment here on Grant and Danny Love. Talking to Dowder, brought to you by Main Street Bank, to your local bank local. Put our team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. Dowd, how was your time out west there, traveling around the left coast? Yeah, it fellas. All right, it's just, just you today, right, Grant? Yeah, no Danny today. He lost his voice, which it's kind of like trying to play hockey but not having your you know hands or, or a stick. Or equipment, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> he feels great. He could just sit there and play video games all day. He just can't speak out loud. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, and we miss him. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll just say, "Hey, fella." I guess that'll work. There better. you go. Uh, how but, was your uh, trip, yeah, though? That that's one of those long ones. But uh, you guys don't get out there very often. So if you got some spots, I guess that you like to hit up, you could do that. Check <laughs> those boxes. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we you know we get out there once a year uh, to those cities. Um, but uh, it was good. It felt long. Uh, I, my, my, sorry, my daughter's smiling at me here. Um, um, it felt it felt long. We had about uh, three games in what was like seven or eight days, which is uh, pretty rare for us. Usually we're playing like three and fours and back to back and stuff like that. So, um, but it was good. Yeah, we um, you know L.A. and Anaheim and San Jose and and I got to eat some good food, some some West Coast fish. So that was nice. First time we've talked to you kind of since the dust has settled post-deadline. You guys are calling a lot of kids up. Many of them you've already been playing with, but some guys that you're going to be seeing for the first time. What's that been like? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, guys have done a really good job. Um, you know, it's stepping into a, to a difficult situation um, at the end of the year where, you know, NHL players are playing their best hockey and, and guys are stepping in and, and they've been performing well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always good to have new faces around. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's exciting, honestly, to see guys play, you know, like Vinny Iorio plays his first game. Uh, you know, I think it's in San Jose and, um, you know, he has a really good game and, and, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's, you know, first guys, guys are playing their first as capitals. And, um, so yeah, you know, it's something that we haven't really seen a lot of in the last couple of years. So can you tell that if guys or, or when they are nervous or is it more of just like an exuberance, like what's the difference in vibe for a kid that's about to either debut or has played in a handful of games versus someone like you who's been at this for years? Yeah, I mean, it's always funny because, like, you see a lot of, like, what you used to be like um, as, like, a first-time call-up or as a rookie. Uh, so, like, Vin, for example, like, you know, really nice kid, uh, quiet kid. Um, well, I guess quiet per se, but he's, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I like him a lot. Good personality on him. But, um, you know, he's he's uh, he's sitting around, like, the, the pregame meal and, you know, like, traditionally – hockey is you know probably like most sports right you kind of let the most veteran guys go first if they're in the meal room ready to eat you know you're not going to step up and jump them and you know it kind of trickles down like that and there's a little bit of a pecking order not that it really matters but you know if alexander ovechkin and denny are standing next to each other denny's gonna let him go first um so it's just it's funny like you watch then 
he kind of maneuvered his way around like the meal room, uh, you know, in the practice rink and he's trying not to step on anybody's toes, you know, and he's, he's, uh, he's, you know, you kind of got to say, all right, then you can go grab your lunch now, buddy, you know? And, uh, you know, just cause no one wants to make that, that first move and, and be on, uh, on someone's radar. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, I mean, it's cool though. It's, it, you know, it, it's, uh, nostalgic of, you know, what it used to be like for all of us. So who'd you guys make mad this year? I mean, this has been nuts this whole season with these injuries. You know, you finally, we think, okay, this is the group that's going to now play for the, the stretch run. And then in the same game, within a few minutes, it felt like Jensen and, and Ferravari go down. I mean, it's just been constant all year long. It just won't stop. Yeah, man. It's been, yeah, it's been brutal. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really brutal. I uh, I don't know. I don't know what we did to the hockey gods. Hi, buddy. I don't know what we did to the hockey gods to uh, to to get that type of luck. But yeah, it's been it's been tough, man. I mean, especially you know, it, it's crazy to see you see one D man in our lineup right now that was uh, a part of the D man that were the starting six for our team at the beginning of the year. So. That's right. Yeah, it's a yeah. good point. I mean, it just has yeah. not been consistent. Uh, speaking of which, real quick before I let you go, how about Carly on ice? We saw that he was skating today. That had to be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Guy hasn't missed a beat and gets back into practice and starts doing his thing. So, uh, I mean, that's that's a big lift, and we were really excited. I mean, I was personally really excited to see that great player. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully have him back soon. Who knows? Rasmus Sandin seems like he can play. I'm excited for him. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I think uh, it was funny seeing – well, not funny, but it was uh, ironic seeing uh, you know Gussie Gussie head out and Rask come here. Right? Yeah, but, a little. Um, you know, and both both Swedes and you know uh, kind of similar players a little bit. You know, both highly highly offensive. Funny, I'm on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> both both highly offensive players, and uh, you know they can you know run the power play, which Sandy's doing right now, and um, you know so it's uh, it's you know we kind of traded one for the other and. Uh, Sandy stepped in. It was nice to see him get his first goal the other night, too, on, on an absolute missile. I've been there. I've done that. I Probably Louie wanting you to get down on all fours and be a lion or something. What, what do we got going I am. on? I'm, I'm, on a, I'm literally on I'm on all fours right now with my daughter and her bouncer staring at me. And Louie's crawling on my back asking me to talk louder, which doesn't make sense, but that's okay. It's like, the people can't hear you, Dad. Talk louder. <laughs> well, uh, get <laughs> exactly. back to, yeah, to get, being a pops, uh, man, and uh, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Hey, thanks. Thanks, yeah. uh, thanks man. It's, it's always good to talk to you guys. You too, bro. There's Nick Dowd of the Caps with us on Grant and Danny. Stretch run of their season. Dowder brought to you by Main Street Bank. your local bank local. Put our team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. And he makes a really good point, though. You look at their defensive pairings right now. The Faravari down with the injury to Jensen. Gabriel Carlson and Matt Irwin and Alexander Alexiev and Rasmus Sandin and TVR. Calling up Vinny, they have one guy that was a part of the, the top six plan. Now, obviously, you, you traded Orlov, you moved a couple of those players, but that's a heavy dose of injuries for them as well. Um, I like the reload. I'm on record. I know a lot of people wanted to completely hit detonate. They're not going to do that. I'm all for chasing down the goals record. I think that's going to be uh, as entertaining and, and re- frankly, as rewarding for this fan base that has been a part of this Rock the Red journey for two decades as. Anything other than the cup run. So I can't wait for that. They're threading the needle between keeping some of these lifetime achievement caps around, like Nicholas Backstrom, 
keeping the core together, but also fielding a really good roster that year in and year out makes the playoffs and they're not going to this year. Uh, I think health had a lot to do with that, but you know what? Go get yourself a, a puck moving left-handed shot defenseman who's going to help you next year in Sandine. Reload some draft picks and see where you're at a season from now. And we had Brian McClellan on the show just a couple of days ago telling us he expects to be a player in free agency and they're going to be looking to add a skilled top six goal scorer who can play on one of the top two lines. And that was music to my ears. So liked hearing that and I liked hearing from Nick Dowd. If Aaron Rodgers is a Jet, how does that shake up the AFC pecking order? What would that mean? And I want to dive back into just how mediocre the quarterbacking has become in the NFC as well. We'll do that next on Grant and Danny, without Danny on the fan. Welcome back to Grant and Danny. Danny lost his voice. He's not here. That could mean something massive happens in D.C. sports in the coming couple of days. Normally when he's out, business picks up. Wanted to talk Aaron Rodgers and the possibility that he ends up with the Jets. Now, this is not a certainty, but here's what I know. If you're an NFL team with a quarterback under contract, and specifically a really good quarterback, Two MVP awards the last three years, all-time, Hall of Famer, legend, great passer, right? For the Packers to grant permission to Aaron Rodgers to meet with the Jets, to talk with New York, to have the Jets fly folks cross-country to try to meet with Aaron Rodgers, tells me everything I need to know about Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. It's over, Johnny. The Packers want to move on. They are not in the business of paying Aaron Rodgers and continuing to deal with whatever comes with him being the face of your organization. Now, last year they couldn't make this decision. A year ago at this time, they were coming off of a playoff year where they lost in the postseason but had a really good chance to come out of the NFC with Rodgers having just been named most valuable player for the second time in as many years. And to move on from him at that point would not have made a lot of sense but also would have probably gotten crushed, right? You don't know if he is still at the top of his game or declining. It certainly doesn't look like he's falling off. You're still winning. You're on the precipice of a title. A lot has changed in the last year, including Devontae Adams having been traded to the Raiders. They start to reboot a little bit with young wide receivers. At times, I think it's fair on the outside in to say there was some butting of heads between Rodgers and his public comments and having Neil fight kids running around, learning routes, and, and making catches at the wide receiver position throughout the offseason. Eventually, Christian Watson came on. Romeo Dobbs was up, and he was down. But they might have a future as a tandem there. They'll continue to add and supplement at wide receiver, I would think, for Jordan Love or whoever else is going to play quarterback post-Aaron Rodgers if he leaves. But in the year since, they missed the playoffs. They lose a win-and-in game at the end of the year. They got surpassed within their own division by Minnesota, I don't think they're going to fall below Green Bay this year. I could see them taking a step back after winning a lot of close games. They are going to be without Eric Kendricks, who they just released at linebacker. They have to make a big, tough decision on Adam Thielen, who regressed substantially, couldn't really get separation this year. They're going to pay Justin Jefferson. They'll elevate K.J. Osborne at wide receiver. 
They got a big offseason coming. But I think the Vikings and the Lions, who are an ascending team, arrow trending up, Dan Campbell's got them in the right direction, Goff coming off of a terrific year. Both of those teams will be every bit as good as Green Bay. Their odds to come out of that division to win playoff games every bit as good as the Packers. It used to be Packers, big gap, number two team in the division. Now, I would say the friendliest argument you could make if you're a Packers fan is that Minnesota and Detroit and Green Bay are kind of all jumbled up together. So the division has tightened, right? And on top of that, the quarterback position last year where Rodgers might be able to revert back to being an MVP-like passer again this year. I'm not telling you he's done. He could have you know, a revitalization, spend the offseason uh, getting motivated and wanting to show the Packers and their fans that they were wrong and pull a, a Michael Jordan and be offended by kind of the, the idea that they let him leave. And he could go have an unbelievable season if he ends up with the Jets and win the MVP award and be a top five QB again. But specific to last year, hear me out before everyone screams and gets all angry. Just based on last year, Jared Goff was better in that division and so was Kirk Cousins, okay? Now, he might still have a club in the bag where he can be one of the best in football. It is time to move on from him if you're the Packers. You're going to get something substantial back. You're going to get out of his massive contract. You're going to move on from a guy who is quirky, odd, in terms of uh, not necessarily how he's living his life. That's his own prerogative. But his view now of kind of his place within the organization, his involvement, uh, I think understandably he wants to be counseled on everything they do. He wants to be influential, but yet he misses the entire offseason last year. and It's not beneficial anymore. Like, the juice was worth the squeeze for a long time. You can let Manny Ramirez be Manny Ramirez and do funny things and be wacky and go to the bathroom inside the Green Monster, and you can let him get away with things that aren't funny that are annoying, like pushing over a traveling secretary when he's hitting 337 with 29 bombs. But when he's hitting 176, it's it's not that cute anymore, right? The act kind of wears thin. And I think after this season, before he potentially gets his footing and has another big year, you can rip the Band-Aid off, and I expect them to. I just don't think they would be allowing him to talk to the Jets if they weren't done. They also feel like they have to figure out what Jordan Love is. And while you can sit very comfortably in your Monday morning quarterbacking chair and scream about how ridiculous it is that they would want to know if Jordan Love's any good when he's probably not, and he's certainly never going to be Aaron Rodgers, and how dare you allow the gift horse that is Rodgers to walk out the door so you can look at Love and see what he is and evaluate him, this is what you have to do. At one point, they did that with Rodgers, and they let Favre walk. He ended up playing in a conference championship game. Favre still had some football left. They evaluated and trusted themselves on Rodgers, and guess what? Rodgers is substantially better than uh, Brett Favre ever was. No one thought that was going to be the case. Now, would I bet on that for Jordan Love? Of course not. But you took him in the first round. You've invested time and energy and coaching and money. You should see what this guy is. And I think they're about to do that. My question, though, is not really about the Packers. It's more about the AFC. If Aaron Rodgers ended up with the Jets, where would you slot them in in terms of likeliness to come out of that conference? I had someone tell me in football they think that's a Super Bowl contender with Rodgers. I think that's a little bit excessive. And I'm not telling you that they wouldn't be able to be a tough out in the playoffs, 
Rodgers shows up with the Jets. They make a move or two this offseason. I do believe that they are immediately a playoff team. Robert Sala goes from being on the hot seat to that organization being like an it team that everyone wants to, to heap praise on, right? They become cool right away. They're going to play a bunch of national TV games. People are going to be rocking the Jets caps. They're going to win 11 games probably. But they're not on the level of the Chiefs. They're not on the level of the Bengals. I would say they're not on the level of the Bills. I would think you guys will agree with me there. That's kind of the, the elite group in the AFC of the the big three, so to speak. Are they in that next group? Probably. By the way, I was just looking up the futures odds in the AFC. This was baffling to me. The uh, summation of a bunch of different books. So it was kind of like the average of the odds. The Chargers had better odds for the Super Bowl, based on what I was looking at in a bunch of places, than the Bills. Someone help me with that. I know we all love Justin Herbert, but let's settle down a lot real quick. So the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals, to me, put them in Tier A. I think you could say that the Jets are right there with everybody else. If the Ravens were to keep Lamar Jackson, I would put them probably on par with the Chargers in the four and the five range. Maybe the Jaguars, the Dolphins. Is Tua healthy? Can he repeat last season? Could the Dolphins make a push for Lamar Jackson? I actually think they will. I think it'll be post-draft, and I think they'll trade for Lamar Jackson. I went on record saying that yesterday. They're better with Lamar than they'd be with Tua. I think either way, they're going to be good, and they'll be back in the playoffs, assuming Tua's healthy. But I'll take the Jets probably fourth among all the AFC teams. Like, they're over the Titans and the Steelers. They're over the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence continuing to ascend. Not by a lot, but by a little. I'll take them over Baltimore, even if Lamar's there. I think that's about where they are probably, right there with Baltimore and the Chargers. But if you're looking at just the quarterback position, Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen are all going to be guys that you'd rather have run your team this year than Rodgers. Who else in the AFC would you say that about? I'm not talking about long-term, where you would take Herbert, you would take Lawrence, You'd probably take Lamar because Rodgers is 40. This season, money's not an item, okay? Nothing matters but just on-field performance at the QB position. How many quarterbacks in the AFC, if he ends up with the Jets and he's in that conference, would you take over Aaron Rodgers for 17 games in 18 weeks? Mahomes? Burrow? Josh Allen? Maybe Herbert? Maybe? Maybe Lawrence? Yeah, I'm going to assume Lamar's with the Ravens or the Dolphins and he's still in the AFC. Maybe Lamar? Jets fans are about to go nuts if they get Aaron Rodgers. They go from the Mike White experience, overpaying Jimmy Garoppolo. And think about the difference of the world for those fans moving forward. They're going to do the thing that we did in D.C., that the thing that we did last year as fans. Carson Wentz, maybe the, maybe this will work. Yeah, remember, remember what he did that one time? He ran away from Kerrigan in 2017. Remember that? That was cool. He might be great again. Jimmy Garoppolo, are you kidding me? Or Aaron Rodgers. What a time to be a Jets fan. So that's what I want to know. 
What's the AFC look like if Rodgers is added to the mix? It certainly looks like that's happening. Does anybody disagree with me? Because I'm going hard in the paint. I don't see how he wouldn't be a Jet. It's over, Johnny. Why on earth would the Packers let him do that? If you're dating someone, you don't say, yeah, go to the movie with him. No problem. If you want to continue to date them afterwards, you would never do that. They are over it. They are done with Aaron Rodgers. They're ready for Jordan Love. Grant and Danny on the fan. This week coming up is about as good as it gets in football. The stars all align for player movement to kick off the league year. Monday at noon is when you're allowed to start, and I'm using air quotes here, start negotiating the legal tampering period. Just so we're all on the same page, there's a lot of that kind of stuff happening already. And then the league year begins on Wednesday. Now they've ruined day one of free agency. We just have to recalibrate our minds, right? Because the, the first day of free agency on Wednesday is really day three. And so if you just plan on Monday, essentially, which is not yet the league year, being the start of the frenzy of football, that's your must-listen stuff here on Grant and Danny. That is what it's going to be really, really fun. Trades are, are coming out. Terminology is going to be, this will become official on Wednesday, but stars are going to be on the move. Players all week long, though, are going to be released to create cap space. You're going to start to see clubs getting some ducks in a row here. It's going to get really fun really fast. That'll take us up to the end of March and the owners' meetings, the league meetings that are going to be taking place. That presumably will give us some not only much-needed information and intel on what's going on with Dan Snyder, but possibly clarity finally and resolution even perhaps on a timeline for this potential sale that I still think will happen this offseason. I know many of us are are just not sold or sure yet, and, and I get your hesitation to get overly excited. Nobody wants to waste the good surprise on somebody else. But we're talking Aaron Rodgers here. And if he goes to the Jets, what that means in the AFC, where it seems like all the best quarterbacks are. They got Mahomes. They got Allen. They got Burrow. Those are the three best in football right now. They got a bunch of guys from that next tier, like Herbert and Lamar Jackson for now in Baltimore. Trevor Lawrence is on the ascent. Tua had a bang-up season last year. Was really, really impressive when he was on the field. I actually think I would set the Jets as having the fourth highest odds to get to a Super Bowl out of the AFC if Rodgers is there. I would slot them over teams like the Chargers, Ravens, Jags, Dolphins, and behind the Chiefs, Bills, and and Bengals. But I want to see what you guys think about that. Patrick's and Culpepper on the fan. What's up, Patrick? Hey, how's it going? Doing well, buddy. Hey, so... If the Jets somehow land Aaron Rodgers, they're going to probably be the third or fourth best team in the AFC East. There's no way Aaron Rodgers, after having his worst statistical season, is going to somehow magically be better. That weird man bun wearing hipster is not going to try hard for someone else just because they gave him more money. (laughs) Well, it's not more money. Let's start there. He already made all the money. He's going to make less money, I would imagine. With the Jets, or it's going to be different money anyway. He's going to have to restructure his contract, and the money might get paid out another way. But it's not going to be about 
money motivating him. It's going to be a Michael Jordan-ish, and then I took that personally kind of thing if he gets motivated. Third in the division is hard for me to see. I mean, I guess you're saying the Bills win the division, which stands to reason, and then you're saying that the Dolphins, who were 9-8 and eight last year, hang on and still overtake the Jets, who were 7-10 and 10 in year two under their coach, Mike McDaniel. But the problem I have with that is the Jets went 7-10 of 10 with a lot of Zach Wilson and a bunch of Mike White, bro. You're sleeping on the skill positions. Garrett Wilson is a star. That guy is going to be the truth. I think they'll probably cut Corey Davis to save money, but they have Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims and Braxton Berrios, and they'll be able to bring in a wide receiver. Now, Aaron Rodgers might do the bit where he forces them to bring Randall Cobb over because he's his best buddy. I'm sure Randall Cobb will be getting nine targets a week for the Jets. David Bakhtiari will be their backup tackle, missing 11 games. Mason Crosby will be kicking till he's 80. I mean, they'll all go on retreats with their shoes off. I'm, I'm sure that's going to happen. But you don't think you can recruit a wideout and free agency that's a grown-up to be your number two opposite Wilson ahead of Moore and Mims if you wanted to on the depth chart to start outside, kick Barrios into the slot? They're going to have a really good wide receiver group. Brees Hall's coming back from injury. Zonovan Knight, I thought, overachieved but was really good when he played. Everyone tried to give him a nickname. He was so good. People were calling him Bam Knight. Stop calling this person Bam Knight. He's, he's carried the ball 11 times in his career. We don't need to give him a nickname. Michael Carter, Ty Johnson. I mean, they, they are deep in the running back room. Their offensive line is pretty good. That's a plug-and-play. Give me a quarterback. My offense is now top third of the league caliber, I think. And their defense was far from an issue. That's a solid defense. Now, how many guys do you have to cut to, to make this Aaron Rodgers thing work? That's what I want to know. If it's Corey Davis and a couple other things, fine. I mean, it's C.J. Mosley, their linebacker on the chopping block. Do they have to replace him? All of a sudden, you start moving some of the furniture around, and you think your defense is a strength, and maybe it steps backward, and now you need Rodgers to elevate the offense even more. But they were just about a 500 team last year with Wilson and Mike White, man. And I know you're saying Rodgers stunk last season. By his standards, yeah, it was down. It was not pretty. I would make the case with a, a way worse supporting cast than he'll have this year with the Jets. But by the way, it was 26 touchdowns, 12 picks, and about 4,000 yards. That season he had last year would go down as a top five season by a Jets quarterback in the last 20 seasons, I'd bet. Let's go to Tom and Manassas on Grant and Danny without Danny. How are you, Tom? Hey, Bob. Good to talk to you, Grant. Hi, Robert. All right, Rob. Um, so oh, it's been a minute since we heard from old Tom and Manassas. Oh, yes. Yes, man. It's so good to talk to you. Where have you uh, been, Chiron, Matthew? Life throws you those curveballs yeah. in the dirt. You just can't lay off. But um, but I'm back, man. All I, right. I love you guys. Good um, man. My, my thought, and let me preface this, I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan, so I do not want no part of Aaron Rodgers coming to the AFC East. But – with his personality and the way he is, do you think he wants to go to the New York City, uh, deal with the media, who we know we have a long history with? Um, I don't think he will. I don't think he'll go. I think being a Northern California guy, uh, if San Fran can put something together, um, that could be dangerous, and that would be a straight shot to the Super Bowl for him. But I don't want him in the AFC. I hear you. Look, there's a lot moving in that direction, though. They're talking yesterday. They flew out to, to spend – Time with him today. 
his girlfriend he's dating right now is like the daughter of the owner of the Bucks or something. She lives in New York. I mean, they're, they're, you start to connect some dots, and it makes a little more sense. I, I don't know if he cares about New York or any or Vegas or anything else. I, I will say this. This is a guy who's dated A-list celebrities, actresses, like, you know, nominated for awards. Shailene Woodley's all over every TV show on HBO. I mean, he, he likes the spotlight. You check out his off-seasons the last couple of years. He doesn't spend a lot of time not getting pub. I think a big city plays for him. But the Jets, if they can reel him in, are a legitimate contender for the first time since Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez had them in AFC championship games. Rodgers is not the biggest quarterback story in the league today, though. Lamar Jackson is. And for whatever reason, he keeps being linked to Washington. I don't think it makes any sense. I'm here to tell you it's not a thing, but it keeps happening. We'll discuss on GND next on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.